It's exciting to have reached episode 71 of the Good Future podcast. And it's a pleasure to welcome back Andy Cooper, who was a guest in the early days of the show. Andy is, of course, the founder and CEO of Leapfrog, a global private equity firm focused squarely on having a positive impact in fast-growing economies. And that's what we're all about here on the Good Future podcast. I'm your host, John Treadgold, and I'm asking the big questions about the business of sustainability, the new economy, and how your spending and investment decisions can have an impact. The need to divert capital towards high-impact investments has only grown in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, and that means LeapFrog have been busy. They've recently signed an unprecedented agreement with the Singaporean investment company Tomasek. It's more than a deal, it's a partnership. That will see the state-owned investment company commit half a billion dollars to be deployed as the cornerstone investment for a range of LeapFrog's future funds. Anyway, let's get into it so Andy can give us the details. Of course, you can find all the show notes on my website at johntreadgold.com. And if you'd like to leave a review, you can do that on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen. All right, let's dive into my conversation with Andy Cooper. Andy Cooper, thank you for coming on the show and, and welcome back. It's great to be back. Now, you were my guest back on episode 26. And for anyone who didn't catch that episode, I highly recommend winding back and, and having a listen. We did go deep in that one. We discussed all about your career and, and the genesis of Leapfrog. It was a great one. I had a great time. <laughs> now, of course, the big news today is your deal with Tomasek, the state-backed investment company from Singapore. And they've committed a total of 500 million US dollars into upcoming leapfrog fundraisers. Now, it's bigger than just one deal, but it is one of the largest commitments to an impact investment fund anywhere in the world. So, Andy, how did it come about? Well, we've been working for over a decade to create a unique combination, I think, at leapfrog of authenticity and depth of impact scale and institutional quality as a private equity firm and returns for investors. And when I met with the chief executive of Temasek, they were looking for that authenticity, institutional quality and financial acumen. And they were looking, I think, to invest into this incredibly important theme these days of impact. Now, if you think about the opportunity, impact investing is already by some estimates like the IFCs at over 700 billion, others say it's at 2 trillion, but the IFC and others have estimated it at beyond 26 trillion in terms of where it could go. So in that 10 years, I've seen the field grow 50 times, but it could grow another 50 times. And in that context, I think there are significant returns to leadership and to performance and to authenticity. So when uh, two of my Global Leadership Council members, Simon Israel, uh, who's the chairman of uh, Singtel, just stepped down, and David Gonski, the former chairman of Future Fund and of ANZ, said that we should get together and have a conversation, Dilan Pillay and I, 
uh, I jumped at the chance and we developed this idea of really what is the largest commitment ever to an impact investor to date. Now, you mentioned David Gonski there. He's quoted as saying, impact investing has come of age. So what makes this deal with Temasek a, a pivotal moment for not only Leapfrog, but for the sector as a whole? Well, I think it reflects a new level of scale for the global impact investing industry in which we've been trying to pioneer since 2007. I think Temasek is known for their quality of their commercial acumen and for their scale as a multi-hundred billion dollar institution. I've heard many people refer to them as often the smartest people in the room. And what they've done here is make a major commitment to several uh, funds that Leapfrog will roll out in the next five years, focused on our specialist strategies of financial inclusion and healthcare. So I think all focused again on major markets in Africa and Asia. So I think what that really represents is one of the signal institutional investors of the world teaming up with uh, this impact investing leader to develop a, a new scale of offering. And it represents, I think, for the industry, the potential to really open the gates of the capital markets, mobilize those trillions for purpose-driven businesses. And that in turn, of course, may allow the billions of people who need to rise to access the essential services they need. Because in the end, that capital is needed to invest in those companies, to grow those companies to a scale where they really do change the world. And does the mandate come with any, any stipulations about what sectors or types of projects uh, future funding should target? One of the great things about Temasek is that they take an intergenerational view and they are about partnering. So the aim for them, as they've said, is to build a forward-looking, resilient portfolio of companies that contributes to the progress of society and achieve a better world for this and future generations. So fundamentally, they're looking to create a meaningful partnership, as are we, around an enduring institution that makes sustainable change. And in that context, any particular decision around the exact contours of a particular fund or a particular focus is secondary to creating a, a true partnership that will result in excellent performance in terms of both impact and returns. That said, I think they were particularly excited, as are we, about wealth and health. Essentially, there is an enormous opportunity to help low-income people access quality healthcare and quality financial tools often for the first time. So if you look at what Leapfrog has done in the past decade, we've enabled our companies to reach now 212 million people of whom 168 million are low income, that is living on under $10 a day per person in the household. And those people have either had insurance or credit or savings or pensions or some form of healthcare like quality medication or diagnostics or other kinds of services, and generally for the first time. And if you think about how 
exciting that is as a business opportunity, that's also important because the social impact is obviously enormous. But if you think about 4 billion people rising from low income into the middle class, that's half the world's population. And the first thing they spend on as they get more and more disposable income is obviously healthcare, if you want to look after your family, and uh, financial tools. You need to make payments, you need to save for your kid's education, you worry about retiring into dignity, not dependence. So the opportunity to invest into a very fast growing sector or two sectors that serve half of humanity is quite enormous. And I think Tamasek, we're incredibly excited about that alongside us. You've mentioned it as, as being a partnership a few times there and Tamasek will also invest directly into LeapFrog. They'll have equity and a board seat. What will it mean to have a, a big influential institutional investor backed by the Singaporean government uh, as an owner of your business? Well, that's exactly right. The partners will remain the overwhelming majority holders of LeapFrog, but certainly Tomasek has taken a minority stake and will have a non-executive director seat on our six-person management board. It's important to say that they won't have any role in daily operational business uh, and investment decision-making will continue to sit with the same investment committee consisting of leapfrog senior leaders and long-standing independent members. So all of that is just the, the caveat so people don't get the wrong impression here that somehow this is not founder and partner-led business. That said, what this capital and what this big brother or big sister really allows us to do is to double down on two big things. The one is our footprint in markets. So our relay, our teams in countries like India, Nigeria, Kenya, Ghana, South Africa, Singapore, etc. Really our footprint in markets to be able to be close to the ground and to be able to find and build value for companies. And the second thing it allows us to do is to invest very heavily behind our own distinctive valuation, value creation specialisms. So if you think of some of the things we do quite distinctively as a private equity business is we have a talent accelerator business. And that really helps management teams to fill out their ranks and to develop their folks at the speed that the business is developing, both their technical talent and their C-suite. We have a customer insights team, we call it CX, that actually stands in the stores, does surveys, really tries to understand deeply what these customers need, and therefore is able to help businesses grow much faster and be much stickier with their customers. We have our impact measurement and management capabilities, which really help the business establish metrics and track those metrics for performance that are both around profit and purpose, and in so doing create much stronger, better governed businesses that serve their customers better. And finally, we have a digital strategies team that is able to really seize this historic moment of this really mega trend of so many things digitizing to ensure that the kinds of products and services that people get are offered at very much lower cost while remaining of very high quality and uh, allowing for intensive interaction with the customer via digital means. So if you think about all those different areas, each of them is going to get support 
due to the capital we've received from Temasek, and that should allow us to continue to grow our companies very fast. And if you look at the past decade, LeapFrog has grown uh, our companies on average at 30% a year. That's just a simple average across the whole portfolio. And it's that kind of growth that in the end makes it down to the bottom line. So I feel like the opportunity for us and our investors was really unmissable to be able to have the resources to build these distinctive value creation capabilities out a lot while being ever closer to the markets we work in. Yeah, gosh, there's a lot of layers of growth there. And I think after 2020 and sort of the ravages of COVID-19, there's still a lot of momentum around impact investing. In some ways, it's it's only really grown and, and we've seen the importance of it more than ever. Um, and it's clear we need to mobilize more private capital if we're to achieve the SDGs by the end of the decade. So looking a little bit more broader, I'd love to get your insight on how you see the evolution of this space, where impact investing is is going and, and maybe what the last 12 months have done to push it forward. Well, it's been a fascinating time. For those of us who are early pioneers in the industry, this is the kind of scaling moment the past few years that we had hoped to see. And now I think the issue is how to ensure that scaling happens with integrity. So we are seeing a range of standards like the IFC-led operating principles for impact management that are coming into place that are allowing for clear expectations and also for independent audits. So you don't just have to rely on people saying they're doing impact. You can check if they're impact washing or they're genuinely performing in this area. And I think that has been a very important development of the past uh, year or two or three. I also think we're getting better and better statistics in the market. So for example, I can tell you that the Global Impact Investing Network now says that financial services excluding microfinance actually, and healthcare are two of the fastest growing sectors for impact funds, growing at 30% and 23% respectively. I couldn't have told you that uh, a few years ago. And I also couldn't have told you that certain kinds of investors are entering the space. So we're seeing not just major private equity groups, but on the LP, the limited partner investor side, we're seeing major pension funds from Holland and the UK and US through to Japan, we're uh, into the space. We're seeing sovereign wealth funds. We're seeing all diverse players start to enter the space. And I think that creates enormous hope. Uh, And the critical thing now is that we deliver on that hope by making sure that the performance of impact groups is exemplary on impact and on returns and is carefully audited and transparently use those audits to inform the market uh, such that the good guys win in the end and the capital goes towards those good folks. Well, that's right. You know, we we should have talked about greenwashing before we started recording and and that this is a real um, moment of scale. It's what this sector has been hoping for for 10 years. But are there risks in scale in growing large and in doing it quickly? Absolutely. And I think one of the profound commitments one makes as an institution is whether in the end you're an asset gatherer or in the end you're a returns and impact generator. 
I believe that you should be oriented to the latter too, and we are at LeapFrog. And it's a bit like John Stuart Mill said of happiness. You can't just say, be happy. I think of AUM as a bit like that. Rather, you should say, I'm going to pursue all these different activities, and then happiness comes along the way. And I think assets under management should be a reflection of a fundamental orientation to delivering on returns and on impact. And to some extent, yes, you can say it's sometimes difficult to see whether something is impact washing or not. But there's a gray area, but there's also a lot of black and white. So if you look at LeapFrog's companies, it's very clear to people that these are companies built to provide goods and services to low-income people and that those goods and services are essential. So if you look at, say, Good Life Pharmacy in Africa, it's now the largest healthcare provider in East Africa. It provides quality medications in an environment where 30% of the medication coming out of pharmacies is fake or placebo or misprescribed. It provides quality medications. It provides it largely to low-income people, and it does so to millions of people. And that's not in any way ambiguous. Similarly, provision of, say, telehealth services from teledoctors or low-income insurance that allows you to go to the doctor if you actually do get sick, uh, that's provided by companies of ours like Bima in emerging markets. These are, again, not ambiguous things. Either the mother can take her daughter to the hospital or go herself or not. And in this case, you have a company that enables millions of people potentially to do that. So I think there is a, a role for detailed analytics on measurement and so forth. But sometimes it's also just common sense. If people look hard at the portfolio, they can see if something is just incremental improvement on a, an existing and pretty normal business activity, or if this fund is actually investing in companies that are purpose-driven and fundamentally changing a large number of needy people's lives. Keeping on that point of the types of companies and the impacts you invest in, you mentioned Good Life um, and, and there's Bema as well, a digital insurance provider. But what can you tell us about any, any new investments that are sort of on the horizon or any updates you can let us know about? We've had some great investments over the past year. Typically, LeapFrog puts somewhere between 20 and $60 million into any one company. We can do less, we can do more. But fundamentally, we need to put that degree of capital to be able to give those value creation activities wing to really help the company soar. And if you look at two examples from the past year, maybe one in health and one in financial services, we invested in MedGenome, which is India-based, and it's the largest genetic research and diagnostics company out there in the developing world. So this is a group that is able to address some of the bias that exists where medical research and genomic research is so often done on European and developed market populations and say, no, instead we are going to develop huge databases and understanding of developing country populations who are traditionally excluded. And on that basis, we're going to develop distinctive tests as well as uh, other services. And so there's a, a work in oncology, cancer support. There is a COVID test that's been developed, all sorts of other test diagnostics that have been developed by this group, genuinely focused on what is the majority in the end of the world's population. And that data has enormous value. And this is a company that we believe has really grown both in quality and in value and in its scale through the past period. 
Another one I would give you an example of from a completely different market would be Indonesia. There is a company called Pasar Polis, P-A-S-A-R-P-O-L-I-S in Indonesia that provides insurance to those in the gig economy as well as many others where they will actually insure one ride by your Uber type driver or Grab or Gojek driver or one parcel that is being sent. So it's called unit linked insurance. And that insurer has grown from providing hundreds of tens of thousands and then hundreds of thousands of policies into providing millions and millions of policies that really cover groups that are very underserved and may not have uh, one or a steady employer. And if you think of the need for that, it's tremendous within developing countries, but it also illustrates something that is badly needed in developed countries where there is such a reliance on employers to provide that kind of safety net. So people often ask in developed countries, how do we get beyond this dependence on direct employers and when the world is moving towards the gig economy and things are more disparate in that way. And Passar Polis is really pointing the way, now selling hundreds of millions of policies to protect people. And it's obviously a great business in a a country that has hundreds of millions of people in it. And you said many great stories. I always enjoy this stuff. You know, you're investing all over the world or you invest into Africa and Asia. You yourself work in Bondi, like myself. It's a very progressive distributed team. What are some of the challenges of that coming right down to sort of more the operation side of things? What do you do as a team to make it all work? Well, one of the commitments we've had from the beginning is to be born global. And I think as we've grown from the first fund, which was $135 million dollars, US dollars to being having had committed over 2 billion US dollars now is we've always been committed to this distributed leadership. So we really trust great people in country to drive the finding, the growth and the exiting of businesses. And we've really been able to create mechanism like our mechanisms like our deal review committee, like our investment committee, and like our management committee and our investment governance committee, all these different committees that bring together people every week through to every month to work together on problems while generally trusting those who are on the ground to do the work. So I could never have built Leapfrog without recruiting, I think, exceptional people. Almost all the partners of Leapfrog have been chief executives or managing directors previously who are able to manage other people well uh, and who are able to collaborate very effectively as a team. I think we've also been very disciplined around always investing for both profit and purpose. So any investment has to meet the high bar that if you were to take away the purpose, it would still be a great investment from a financial perspective. And if you were to take away the financial perspective, it would still be an incredibly powerful purpose to have. And it's not that you dilute one to get the other. So we've had this real commitment. If you think of what was innovative and new about LeapFrog as really the world's first commercial impact investor, it was that profit would drive purpose greater purpose and greater purpose would drive greater profit. And we've built internal processes, all those review and investment committees and management committees that have allowed us from diverse perspectives, different genders, races, countries of origin, industries to 
have perspective on the investments we make and on the decisions we make as a firm, and thereby, I think, ultimately make better decisions than any one or two or five people sitting in a room can make. We've also had this real commitment to be utterly focused on emerging consumers. This is more than half the world's population. And so really being focused on a group we believe are profoundly underserved and finding mission-aligned companies has allowed us to have a relationship with each other and with those companies that is, I think, a deeper relationship of partnership. And so one of our values, for example, is true partners with the courage to differ. We're able to have deep partnerships with portfolio companies, but also able to have the hard conversations with them. And another one of our values is excellent investors with an impact soul. And I think when we sit down opposite people, they know that that is the story about the LeapFrog team. And they also know often that if they're, say, good life in Kenya and they're a health business, they're being invested in with by the likes of Felix Solale, who is a Kenyan-born MD, PhD from NYU, who understands their industry incredibly well, who understands their environment incredibly well, and that he has the deep backing of LeapFrog to help them transform their business. Yeah, thanks for that, Andy. I think, you know, in some ways I was expecting your answer there would be, oh, we use, you know, this technology and we manage time zones in this way. But but instead you talked about, about relationships and partnerships and delegations. So very humanistic. And I think that that really comes through in your mission and, and the impact that eventuates, which is what it's all about. So thank you for that. Look, that's been a really good roundup of of what you've been doing in the last year, where you're at now and where you're sort of headed. So thank you for that. But before I let you go, I would like to know what you've been reading. Can you give us a book recommendation? So I try and think and read a lot about Horizon 2 and Horizon 3. Where are we going? Because LeapFrog's ultimate goal is to reach 1 billion people with essential services by 2030. And understanding what the world is going to look like at that stage is incredibly important. So I read a diverse range of books. And one would, for instance, be Bill Gates's book on climate, which uh, is very practical and gives you insight into where we are headed as a world and the areas in which we can act to make change. Another I would uh, recommend is Abhijit Banerjee and Esther Duflo's book on good economics for hard times, in which they really subject some of the noble thinking of the development and business community to real tests as to what works and what doesn't work. And increasingly, I think we can be more data-driven and more accountable in terms of what the ultimate effect on low-income consumers and producers is of our work. And more generally, I hope that the entire impact investing industry moves increasingly from thinking about outputs, you know, how many products were provided to how many people, to thinking about outcomes, which is how many people were actually able to use those tools or services to change their own lives. Uh, As you know, I wrote my um, PhD under Amartya Sen, The Economist, and really his theory is about capability theory. What is it that you can do to build people's capabilities such that they can make very different choices in life and you have different intergenerational effects for families? And so um, I guess the final book I would recommend is his book, Development is Freedom, which really talks about the ultimate 
thing we are all trying to achieve as impact investors and as purpose-driven businesses, which is to enable people to liberate themselves. Very good. Now, that's a great, a great note to leave it on. Thank you, Annie. Thank you for all the updates. And now let's stay in touch. It's been an absolute pleasure.